Hello ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys. Welcome to yet another episode of the Ugandan podcast. I'm your host today. My name is Brandy Valentine Azirwe and today we are going to be speaking a lot of uh, internet connectivity, data and so much more and we have none other than the one and only Mr. James Biarhanga. Uh, I know I've seen him in the Forbes uh, book before. And I also know he's the general manager for the Raxio Data Center. The rest, as usual, as I say, go to Google. You'll find some more. And uh, in this juncture, let me kindly welcome him. Welcome, Mr. James Berhanga. Thanks, Brandy. Yeah. Happy to be here. Yeah. So you said, uh, I know you're the general manager, yeah. but then sometimes I know you're the managing director, Raxio. Yeah. What's the difference? Well, I guess it's all titles. Yeah. Um, but I think the more important part is what I do there. Yes. Uh, and my job is to make sure the team in Uganda um, basically runs this data center seamlessly and smoothly. Yeah. Um, but of course, I was involved from the very beginning um, of the project. And well, I'm, I was the number one person in the project. And I've basically worked in growing it from zero to where it is to now. Hero, eh? <laughs> to hero, <almost> yeah. <laughs> to hero now. And um, we have dreams and visions of building several other data centers uh, in Uganda, but we've already started building several others in Africa. Yeah. So um, I support the group team as well and the African vision and dream. Uh, but in Uganda, I lead the team. You lead the team. Before we go into this conversation on data and all these things that make the internet work for everyone, What's the relationship between Raxio and Rock Telecom? Um, in this case, uh, Rock Telecom is a customer mm. for Raxio. Okay, uh, it's um, that I worked with with Rock. I was one of the, the partners uh, at, at Rock as a shareholder, and also was a CTO there and COO there. Uh, now I'm at Raxio, but basically, Rock being an internet service provider, they are a customer at Raxio because Raxio is. Um, a carrier neutral data center. Mm. I'll explain that. Mm. Um, so data centers are usually they were known as server rooms. Oh yeah, yeah, mm. the room where you find all this IT equipment in. Uh, and AC, so-called yeah, wires, yeah, yeah, lights. Exactly. Yeah, but that's on a small scale. Yeah. So eventually, these server rooms have grown into uh, much larger environments, which are big, very big server rooms. So you find an average server room maybe for an enterprise is like for ten different cabinets. Those. We call them racks, yeah. uh, but a data center like Raxio Uganda is about 400 of those, like 400 racks. So you can have several people utilizing the same space. Um, the concept we call carrier neutrality means that you don't have one particular provider for connectivity to mm. the data center. Yes, anyone who provides connectivity in the country and even from outside the country should be able to provide a service in there. So you find MTN, Airtel, Liquid. Uh, rock, one to net, the national backbone, um, everyone provides yeah. connectivity into into Raxio. Okay, yeah. that's that's really cool, and uh, I know Raxio has actually been here for four years, and you've been the head since then. So well done on Thank making you. it this far. Thank you. Yeah, Just getting warmed up. Uh huh. <laughs> I can see. <laughs> yeah. So I know. I don't even know why I keep saying so. Yeah. I know that you were in Chigali, Rwanda, and yep. you people were working on the African Pairing and Interconnection Forum. Yeah. And you were like the big sponsors. There was, work, there was Raxio all over it. Yeah. What is that? What is the African Pairing and Interconnection Forum and what is its relevance? Yeah. So basically, the internet, as you know, is, is not a governed body. 
it's it's a free neutral body right yeah. um in terms of its global presence and it's it's um it sits on key principles like net neutrality um which basically means that everything should be allowed to operate within you know what is mutually agreed as ways well that the internet should work and there are several um organizations across the world that that work with different regions to make sure that the internet works as it should work efficiently in those regions yes right so um there's the international society of, uh, of like basically the international society which you call ios the internet society it's isoc it's like the one that controls not controls but basically um governs a lot of um internet related matters then there's um like afrinec who is like an african version uh, that basically gives out like addressing Mm. addresses that people use on the internet. Now it's a bit complicated but I'm going to try and simplify it. Yes. So how the internet works and and all, all, basically by definition the internet is an interconnection of networks. Okay. Um when you say network in this current age people think about a mobile network mm. like uh, <laughs> being able to to make a phone call or whatever. That in a way that's the network support those networks, yeah? yeah. So in uh, in when I'm talking about networks here I'm talking about networks that are built on what we call internet protocol addresses ips ips yes so <laughs> the ips in, in full actual internet protocol or intellectual property it depends on who you are and <laughs> yeah, where you're coming that's from true. Yeah. the lawyers think about it well it's kind of the same thing you know? yeah yeah um yeah so basically these public internet ad, um, addresses are issued by these licensing uh, registries so you find that if you're an internet service provider or a telecom address our telecom provider then you're able to you have your own independent unique addresses yes and it is those addresses that you send that you give to your customers sometimes automatically so your phone does actually have an address you just don't realize it because it's automatically assigned mm-hmm. but for it to be registered on the internet it should have an address that gives it a unique identification and that way you're able to actually um surf the net yes now you can imagine with these millions and millions and billions of users i mean the world has a thing about 5.5 billion people right now um f- every gadget has an address yes. every computer has an address if it's on the internet uh every internet of things device like a microwave or a fridge all of them have address cctv cameras so you can imagine there are millions and billions of ip addresses so for this to work yes you need to make sure that all the providers are able to sit in the same room and discuss on the best principles to make this work and those are basically what we call routing principles mm. um in a layman language think about the case of um if everyone in Uganda got a car yes and you have a few roads yes uh how are you going to drive from home to town you're going to meet someone you're going to bash a border bash and the other guy's car traffic jam everywhere you might eventually get there but in what state and at what time right yes. so you, it's important that you have a group of people who sit together and say if you live in mutungo like mm. i do is drive to tintale continue to bogolobi stay on that main road by midpackers mm. and tell the guy in luzira you on the other hand when you get to bogolobi go to nakawa yes you understand okay yeah so that you avoid clashing with each other and, and everyone at- achieves the best possible result mm. so you'll find that sometimes you're using one network and it's very slow and you're complaining it could be because of how they are routing okay uh, how they, how they are driving which road are they using so you need this peering from story on how you basically best run the internet and also best grow the internet yes yeah so it's in a, in 
in long in kind of long story short it's a room full of geeks yes talking geek geek sure everyone is happy yeah. yeah so you're like creatives but in the it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the, the, the yeah yeah so, like so. one person will sing reggae the yeah. other will sing uh, that, that is true but at the end of it it should be good music it should it's a nice yeah. festival yeah we're thankful for this education yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep trying yeah how can roxy your data improve or add onto the connectivity space in Uganda? Ah, okay. And uh, that's actually an interesting question because uh, most people get bored at the point where we say it's a building with computers. Uh, you're <laughs> like, okay, that's so amazing. Wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, um, it's it's much more than that. So also in the interest of not spending the whole day explaining too much, mm-hmm. um, I'll try and give you some of the key ones. So Again, because it's a huge building that has several racks, it means it has several people in it, right? Yes. Now, this what we build is an ecosystem, right? Mm. An ecosystem in this case is everybody needs everybody else for them to get the best out of what they have. Mm. So, let's we can just pick randomly. Give me a company that comes top of your mind. When, when just any company in town here that you can think of. House of DJs. Okay, fine. So House of DJs is an entertainment house, yes. right? They Every single day they do an event. They've got video content that they collect from the event. They have audio content. They're doing social media platforms that they're pushing on. Pictures, everything. Yes, concerts, online. Whatever is going on. <laughs> yes. Now, what do you do with that content after the event, it's during the event? What do you do with it? You want to be able to utilize it either to promote the next event, share the experience that there was, archive it, and all sorts Make of Make a documentary like Woodstock. Exactly. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Uh, aftermath videos and stuff. Yes. So, what do you, how do you, you know, utilize it? You need to find somewhere you're going to store this stuff, yes. uh, back it up, um, and then now multiply one event by 10 events, then 20 events, 30 events. Yes. The content grows and grows and grows. Mm. Same thing like here. We're sitting here having discussion, recording this. Um, what happens tomorrow? Yeah. What happens next year? What yeah. happens five years from now? We would need to do like a recap and say on this day, five years ago, we exactly. were able to host. Exactly. Yes. Uh, and also... For even other purposes that you might want, whether it's educational yes. or whatever it is. So that content needs to be somewhere. Now, when you quickly pause that part and say, okay, yeah, uh, I'm going to do that, but then how will someone access it? I'm an MTN mobile phone user. Mm. How do I access it? I log on to my internet on my, my MTN phone. I have to go through that network, MTN's network, mm. to access this that is sitting on House Studios network, wherever it is, if it's mm. at Raxio or anywhere else. Yes. That introduces something that is also called the Internet Exchange Point, right? This class is getting interesting. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so so for one network connect to another network, yes, either you can go over the public internet, uh, which is of course a longer path because you'll have to go out of Uganda and come back, mm. or <laughs> go through. Okay, this is a few milliseconds, but they make a world of a difference yes. in terms of performance and costs. Or you can go through the Internet Exchange Point, which is directly connected. So in Raxio, we have the second instance of the Internet Exchange Point. One site is at uh, Communications House, up, just up the road. Uh, the second site is in Raxio. Uh, obviously, we have a lot more space for scale uh, in there, and it's a neutral data center, so it will grow more. Mm. But you find that every single provider can easily connect to another one locally here. Mm. That's one. So basically, the presence of it means that we have faster connectivity for content that is switched to in Uganda. Yes. Incidentally, the, the phrase... Um, 
keeping local content local yes. is not because of bubu <laughs> that <laughs> it is, is a, because of it came from the internet the generation yeah. yeah it's it's an internet exchange um context of things so we keep all the local traffic in uganda local yes. that means it's cheaper it's faster and it's a lot more reliable and the quality is good of course the quality becomes a lot more yeah. now what the data exchange the data center brings in the picture apart from being a home for internet exchange is that it attracts now international content providers to become local local what do you use your phone for a lot of social media for example mm-hmm. um whatsapp uh, instagram Movies, facebook yeah um well, not Facebook, Bo- maybe books <laughs> wow wow that was too soon <laughs> um maybe um amazon yes. right whether it's on the books whether it is uh, kindle whether it is amazon prime showmax uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah showmax netflix all those different things yes now those guys they are, the nature of their business requires them to be as close to the customer as possible so that they improve the experience yes. right uh, and also make it cheaper so If you have Netflix in Raxio, mm. it means that the movie you're streaming is no longer coming from the States or coming from London or somewhere. Hollywood, what, it's what? It's actually been cached and is sitting locally. Okay. So it's much faster. And then you see some providers becoming smart and saying we can give you Netflix for free, which is what's already happening. One second. So what happens when I'm live streaming? Um, when you're live streaming, it depends on who's viewing you. Okay. So the local provider, the local customer or the local... Um, audience sees, watches you through the internet exchange. Mm. So it's quick mm. and nice. Mm. The international guy sees you over the public internet, which wow. is different. Yeah. So at the end of, you, of the day, you as a consumer, you want to see a very good quality or you want to hear very good quality. You want to see it quickly, you want it to be reliable. You don't care too much how it happens in the back end. Mm. And that is how, that's why we get into the picture. So it's like a live band without a drama. If you don't have a drama, It's all right. The music is still there. Yeah. It's just not dope. Yes. Yeah, so we kind of come in to make that. Ah, that reminds me. What's that line from Money Haste? Now, that's where we come in. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, actually. Now, we're yeah, the prof yeah. in this case, yeah. Yeah. So now that we have known how the internet works and how we do this, how can a small... Our, our economy runs a lot on SMEs. Yeah. What are SMEs in for? <laughs> small and medium enterprises. Correct. Yeah. How can we bank... How can the SMEs how do they bank... From yeah, how can they bank on uh, data centers? Okay. To so improve their businesses. Now I'm going to teach you something else. Hmm? <laughs> I'm here for so, it. So uh, let's talk about cloud computing. Okay. So we are in the fourth industrial revolution. True. Even the president knows this. That's he, true. <laughs> he read it in his budget. Yeah. And he also read it in the... He's so excited the, about Internet of Things. Yeah, what? Yeah, in the swearing. Robotics, yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and, and he's right. We are in an era where we're basically we are evolving the internet just the internet revolution which was always there but just quietly down is now taking the forefront it's no longer the agricultural the industrial revolution it's now the industrial revolution that's based on the internet now the critical things around this is every single device is becoming connected true from radios in the car smart watches you even said the fridges and yeah, microwaves yes um microwaves every single thing is getting connected cctv cameras in homes um everything is online you imagine the amount of data that's generated by those devices every time you're passing these new cameras the smart city project mm. it's cameras are picking number plates um uh, recording whatever it is the data is going somewhere yes and, and that data 
gathers and gathers and becomes a lot. Yes. Now, what's happened generally as part of the fourth industrial revolution is that there's been what you call the evolution of cloud computing. Cloud is basically a collection of several servers um, adding all their storage together and their processing power to become one big server. Okay. Right? So cloud computing basically gives us a chance to scale. Now, some people want virtual servers, so they don't need a physical server. They just need a virtual server. It's sitting in the cloud somewhere. You cut for me my carpet, I use it. Yes. Some people want a software as a service. Like, I don't need to buy um, a whole editing suite of my own and put it on my MacBook to be able to edit this episode. Yes. I just need to use that software sitting somewhere on, online and do it. The same way you see, like, um, Google Maps. Where you see Google Apps, you go see my, uh, 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 maybe Office Online 365. Mm. All these are software applications sitting in a cloud somewhere. Okay. Where do you put your pictures on Google Drive? Um, it's, it's a cloud platform. Can we transfer? <laughs> we transfer, yeah. That's a, that's a cloud service. Yes. So uh, there's software, there's in infrastructure, there's platform as a service. Now, the existence of cloud not only supports the natural requirement that we're going to need so much storage in future, it also pr presents an opportunity to pay as you grow. Okay. Now, that's why SMEs fit in. So SMEs have one challenge. They want to play with the big boys, right? They want to <laughs> chill with the big boys. But they don't have the money to do it. Yes. So what they, what they go through is that if they want to buy a software application for accounting, they're going to struggle because they don't have the money for it. Um, if they want to buy an email addressing platform so that they have their own domain, domain yeah. .sme.co.ug, mm. they can't afford it. Yes. Um, if they want to run... Uh, to store all these files that they have uh, in-house, e.g. the debtors and creditors, mm. they have nowhere to put this stuff. So what they end up doing is they run either a manual system, right? <laughs> books and... Yeah, yeah, like physical books, um, <laughs> which is what people still do that a lot, by the way. Okay. Or they need to find a solution that allows them to pay as they grow. Yes. Now that's where cloud computing comes in. So then they can basically get um, a virtual server, a small server for running their um, maybe storage uh, of, of the files digitally mm. or they can have a small software application like Tally, uh, an accounting platform that they couldn't afford anyway, but now they can get the online version, QuickBooks Online, and use it and be able to play in there. So what Raxio provides is a home, which is an environment that cloud providers can actually set up the cloud platforms, which in turn enable SMEs to start to pay as they grow. So okay. now they operate they can chill with the big boys. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you make it's possible? Yes, we make it because we, we make it cheaper and easier for them to access and afford um, to be part of the fourth industrial revolution. All right. So basically, that's all right. And I think it's relevant that everyone, the big boys and the small ones, and everyone in between, should be able to store their data because every data is very important. Yeah, and not just for storage. Mm. Um, again, still playing in the industrial revolution space, that is what we call analytics. Yes. Uh, data is only important if you can make sense of it. When you're information and data? Uh, let's assume the same thing, right? Yes. Um, so we, we, it's, it's called garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out, <laughs> yes. So if, if you can't analyze the data that you've stored or the information that you have and make sensible business decisions, yes. which is what they, a lot of people call big data analytics right now, um, then you're basically wasting your time. Okay. Yeah, you, you can, the, the data is only as important as the sense that comes out of it.
Okay. Let's talk about uh that's good. Just so you know. Yeah, yeah, this is court. Let's talk about how the tier 3 neutral data centers are contributing to the national development. Yeah. Mm. Um I mean like uh, there's two ways I could answer this. I could begin by talking about the, the NDP3 and how many years. <laughs> we, we know about the NDP3 and no. in five years of no, being private. I think, pri- I think, I think we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep it private. Um, so, okay, let's talk pri- private and public sector. Yes. So, first and foremost is the public sector as part of the NDP3 project. Mm. The uh, National Development <laughs> Plan, the yeah, third yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, um, actually it's a plan, it's not a project. Mm. Is the... Digital migration and digital transformation is very much center of everything. Absolutely. Uh, national IDs, um, driving permits, um, land passports. titles, passports, everything there has to be digitized. Yes. Smart city, like the CCTV project, has to be there. Um, right now, the national switch for mobile payments, the story goes on. Now, every single thing the public sector does, it's actually designed to enable the private sector to operate. Mm. But right now, before the whole digital migration, the public sector is running in one way, the private sector is running in another way. And then you've got intermediary agencies that try and bridge the gap, e.g. URA. Yeah. <laughs> they, might gap, they might bridge the gap in a different way, but they are there, right? Yes. But right now, so you have all these public sector programs that are being built to actually um, migrate to data, yeah. right? Yes. And then you have uh, NITAU, with the whole connectivity project. Yeah, last uh, like, mile yeah, and yeah, the, like national the national backbone, backbone infrastructure, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, they're, they're basically supposed to connect all the public sector um, networks uh, everywhere. Yes. Now, the private sector also has their own demand because they trade. Yes. They're the ones who actually do the trade and then, um, of course, there's a bridge to get to the public sector infrastructure and everything else, yeah? Mm. So what happens now is that you need these two sectors to be able to communicate with each other. Right? That's what the Ministry of ICT and National Guidance has been saying. <laughs> I hope so. It's true. <laughs> okay. I promise. True. Fine. So you need the two sectors to talk because one without the other will leave the other one behind. And the private sector, when it runs too fast and leaves the public sector behind, then you're going to have severe challenges because that's where you end up with situations where people say the government has done nothing. Mm-hmm. When the public sector runs too fast and leaves the private sector behind, then you have a problem because then they say the public sector is not allowing the private sector to play and you're saying there are no opportunities in the country. Mm. What is lacking is a bridge. Yes. You need somewhere or some place that the two can talk to each other. A middle ground. And that is the ecosystem. Yes. So you, to bridge that ecosystem, you need a neutral data center. Yes. So you will have government data centers, of course. NITA has a, a several, and they provide for all the government requirements. We have private players who need to interact with the government. Neutral data centers create a nice playing field the two of them too. Yeah. So Roxio is doing that for us? That's what we basically provided, the environment. Yes. So that all this whole digital migration can meet there. Now, there's two other small things maybe to mention or worth mentioning. There's, of course, data protection and privacy, which is something that's being rolled out significantly um, because where we are, we're in the digital era and people misuse information. Um, you find a lot of stuff being done without your consent as a user. Yeah. That's what is basically building the whole basis for the data protection and privacy policy and act and the whole department, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, they need to find a way to enforce it. Okay. And areas to be able to actually 
measure and say, okay, you're either in breach or not in breach, or you comply, do not comply. While the net is supposed to be neutral, there has to be consent from the user. Okay. Right? That's, that's why you always have that terms and conditions, accept uh, Accept, reject. Accept, coo- accept cookies. Uh, oh, those cookies. Sometimes I'm like, reject all, <laughs> then they can't the, let the, me it's in. It's not the cookies that you eat. <laughs> <laughs> that's one. And then there's also um, a, g- a general um, enforcement of what you'd say, data sovereignty. Okay. And this is based on that data that is uh, for enterprises or public sector that is of a given level of interest mm. should stay within the, within the the geographical boundaries. Okay. Uh, this is a global thing. It's not just a Ghanaian thing. Oh. We usually call it the Singapore model. Right? Singapore is one of the most digitized countries. Yeah, and that's where it all began from. That data should stay within countries. So let's say a bank, their data should be within the geographical boundaries so that in the event that the government needs to intervene through a regulatory kind of thing. They need to be able to access the data. Like UCC? Yeah, UCC, Bank of Uganda, wherever it is a regulator of a given sector. Yes. Um, so you don't also have consumers' data being taken out of the country for what can be malicious or other things. So because of the need for data sovereignty, which is keeping data within the country, then you need a location that actually meets the right standards. The tier three part of it is based on our service availability. We promise our customers 99.9999% at <laughs> time, five nines. <laughs> Basically, we've never switched off since we switched on. Yeah, It stays up. Every single thing is concurrently maintainable. So you have at least two of each. For some things, you have three to make sure that if you lose maybe one power line, the second power line comes up. Two different substations, two different generators, two different power rooms, two different UPS rooms. The story goes on all the way to the cooling, all the way to the water tanks. Every single thing is fully redundant. And the building is fireproof, moisture-proof, and every kind of proof. And white inside? Uh, no. No? It's, Not yours? No, it's called, it has a different <laughs> name, that color. It's yeah. close to white. It's, yeah, it's Lagoon Mirror. Lagoon. <laughs> I feel like every time I enter a data center, that's what I see. And, no, they are different. And also things like the floors, you know, those epoxy floors or vinyl floors because of things like environment being, you know, being preserved, we have to have a, a predictable environment um, for the equipment, okay. right? And of course, the amount of security, as you can imagine, is quite significant. You can't just rock up and say, oh, dude, I've come to Biaru. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to get like pre-clearance and go through the different levels and access. And also, even if you get to the building, there are different levels that you can't access. Even some staff members can't go everywhere. Okay. Mm. That reminds me. So since you said you can't just rock up there and say, I want to see BRU. I can come to the main road, though. Uh, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'll be fine. You'll find me here at the studio yeah, yeah, yeah. on the Ugandan podcast. So I have a question. Yeah. You have been thrown out onto an island. Yeah. And you have to carry three things. Yeah. What would you carry? Um... Yeah, three seems a lot. <laughs> what are you saying? Are you going to just carry your phone? <laughs> uh, no, definitely not the phone. Okay. Well, I'm thrown out there and clearly they didn't want me to be communicating with anyone. Yeah. Um, well, I think food is obviously great for survival. Food, yeah. food is bare. Okay. Yeah, food is great for survival. Uh, uh, I remember in Castaway, the guy had no clothes, so I think he can do without clothes. <laughs> so... Uh, Maybe a Bible, because okay. I might need a divine intervention. <laughs> you might need a divine <laughs> intervention, that's true. Um, one more, one I, more. Definitely. If you don't uh, say Tasha, you're finished. 
all the same from me. <laughs> you could say I want to go with my wife. Oh no, okay, sorry. I think that's number one. Thanks for that save. I just saved. <laughs> I was about, I was about to say maybe a collection of my favorite music, but uh, yeah, I'll definitely go with the family first. Yeah. So I'm not alone anymore. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, that's a nice one. Nice oh shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the price of the internet. Yeah. How do we get it to be moderate? Raxio Data Center. Wow. <laughs> wow. I am not kidding you. Uh, yeah. Now, think, remember where we started from the IXP, uh, local content staying local, international content players coming into the country. Okay. What makes the internet expensive sometimes? It's the cost of transportation. Okay. Transportation? Yes. Of what? I'm buying of, MBs. Of, of data packets. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. So, remember, where is the content sitting? Some of the most of the content you're accessing right now is sitting in London, in South Africa, in New York, in Hong Kong, the big data centers. Okay. The big exchanges. So you have to go from your phone to your provider, yeah. your provider to the border. Yes. Border to Mombasa, gets onto the submarine cable capacity, <laughs> goes all the way to London, mm. accesses the content servers, and comes back to deliver the return. All in a packet in a, in a matter of milliseconds. Yes. So all these fiber networks are basically doing this in milliseconds for you to be able to access the content without saying, ah, this thing is slow. Mm. So this is talking about 10 milliseconds, 20, 33 milliseconds to be able to go to London and back. Yes. Right? Yes. But there's a cost yes. because all those in networks in between belong to different owners. So you find the access network you're using is your mobile provider. The backbone network you're using could be a combination of the national backbone or any regional provider. Mm. And then in Kenya, you're going to use the network of a Kenyan provider. And then you get into a submarine segment, which is Mombasa to London. Or even sometimes you're going back around Cape Town all the way back to Paris or something. Uh, this is a submarine provider. All this has to happen in a few, about 30, 40 milliseconds. Comes back to you and your, everyone is charging in between. So what? if we reduce on how many people are in this process and cut it into a short distance, it means that you have less people to pay. Yes. And that's why the internet exchange point becomes exciting. Yes. Because if you have these providers all come back as close as possible to the consumer, connect the exchange point, it means that you don't leave Uganda because local content remains local. It's local, yeah. Okay. And that means that it becomes shorter and therefore faster and therefore cheaper. Thank you. That's true. Now I am going to sign up no, I'll, I'll promise later. But yeah. that's very good. Uh, it's a good. I, I understand how it could be pricey if you put it like that, yeah, especially yeah. in such a short period of time. Yeah. Now, you seem, basing on all the information and knowledge you're sharing, you're looking like a guru right now. Please know. You are. I'm the <laughs> so in your sector, in the tech sector, I read there are people like you meet, like two people who you meet and you go starstruck. In fact, not even star, like tech track, like tech struck. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously, uh, we, I, the industry we're in has people who are good at different things mm. because it's not like what I'm talking about now is networking, mm. right? Um, there is also, I, I, we talked a little bit about cloud computing. We talked about a bit about I, IOT, data centers. These are like seven, eight different fields. And then of course there's software developers, there's fintechs. They are each of them. So they're like genres of music. Yeah. <laughs> so, See? so each of them has, has a star. Yes. Yeah? So you find, uh, WizKid is a buddy guy in this other general, but he doesn't necessarily, he can't sing rock music. He, he you know really I mean? cannot even, I don't know if he can do a triumph. Yeah, so, there, so there are several people who are very good uh, yeah. across um, the industry. 
And a lot of Ugandans, by the way, are actually working in some of these big blue chip companies. Yeah. They were Twitters and Amazons and Seacom and stuff like that. So you find that there are several guys who are, there are several rock stars in there. Mm. Um, and I mean, like, the names are endless. But for example, in the networking to, field, uh, uh, if you're talking about networking significantly, there's a guy called Mark Tinker. Mark Tinker. Yeah, he sits in uh, Joburg. He works in Seacom. Yeah. He used to work in Malaysia before that. He's actually a DJ as well. You check him out on YouTube. He's called DJ MT. Uh, I will check yeah, him out. He's like the biggest or best internet engineer in Africa. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. how you guys who do take are able to do other stuff. I know you yeah, are yeah. big on blankets and wine yeah, yeah. and stuff. So we, we, we actually we even have a movement called DJs in Tech. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so actually, fun, fa- fun fact. So at the end of like half fifth the appearing forum, we have DJs in Tech yeah. um, playing at what we call um, uh, beers and beers for peers. Yes. Right? So wow. peers... Yes, for peers. So in Uganda, we have the Uganda, you know, the Uganda um, Network Operators Group is called the UGNOG. It's yeah. actually going to be next month. Yes. Um, so we have all the operators in Uganda doing a Uganda Peering Forum. I've heard Isabella. Yeah, Isabella, Isabella uh, absolutely. Uh, Isabella is, yeah, she's the lead on this. Yes. Uh, we also have women in tech, which yes. is also, you know, because we're trying to push a lot more ladies to get involved in the tech world. But when it's done, we have what we call the Peer Fest, which is, because it's like an October Fest theme yeah. party. Yeah. But, you know, for peers. Okay. Yeah, so we... With, there's one way, some ways you need to keep, you know, vibrant. I agree. Yeah, that is so dope, yeah. and uh, I think it's great that we're able to do all these things. And uh, I'm glad that you have role models in your field. Yeah. How can the gov, as we wrap up, how can the government help this industry? Industry. Um, I that's that's I think the question that if. I get a chance to meet uh, my main man, Sevo, soon. He's watching the podcast. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, Jojo um, Sevo, Sal. <laughs> uh, they, I think it's the most critical question right now, and, and it's something we need to be intentional about. Yes. We need the public and private sectors to peer. Yes. That's the first thing. Secondly, is I think we need to really focus on our core businesses, both sides. Yes. Um, public sector... The, you know, the core business, and they should focus on that. They need the digital migration. It's important because you can't avoid it, but the core business is policy, it's regulation, it's enforcement, those kind of things. Private sector has its own role and should play. There is the time to, for the two sectors to operate separately yes. is so, so, so done that if one leaves the other, the government can't function, the country can't function, the economy can't function. Mm. I just found out this morning that economy 18% will be of... of the GDP of Nigeria is now running on tech. More than oil for Nigeria. Nigeria? Yes. Okay. This is as of September 1st. They've grown by 6% on GDP alone in this year only. For tech. For tech. Yeah. Ahead of, uh, of, of oil. Oil, which has oil been and like gas, what yes. Really, you know, built them. Right now, as a country, we, uh, we've put all our hopes in the oil and gas industry and hoping that it just works, right? And yeah. yet, we've got the tech that can solve everything. Tech is a global language. Oil and gas is not necessarily a global language, but we need that money, that mm. money, mm. to come in here yeah. and find this other thing. True. So, and when you think about the fact that we have over sixty percent of our population below twenty, right? Yeah. Um, the youngest country in the world, right? We are sitting right in the middle of what we call the Savannah Valley instead of the Silicon Valley, the Savannah Valley because of the mobile money evolution. Yes. In East Africa. You have mobile money penetration. You've got a young, youthful population that is sitting here. The only thing that they know and they understand is computers, yeah. right? Their world and their life has been based on computers. If you don't allow us to sprout 
where we have our biggest strength. Um, I mean, we can only dig so much. Eh? <laughs> so, so we need to only we need to focus on the core strength that the country has, and it's a young population, and we need to basically be able to utilize it when they're still interested. Or else we'll get brain drain. People will leave and go and work in other places where they can be accommodated. Mm. Uh, or get crime. That's because true. guys just can't, they won't starve for mm. sure. Mm. They have to find a solution. Yeah. So if we don't utilize them uh, by basically bringing and building the, building the gap between the public and private sector in the digital world, something's going to give. We are going to work on it. Actually, we are working on it. You know, just off the tip of my fingers we had the data fest here yeah. with in partnership yeah, with policy that, yeah. Know, yeah and then we also launched the data science africa uganda chapter yeah. also in partnership with dsa uh, at the hub and then we have you here we're trying to set up something for innovation yeah. and, for and kids these things national because um, like recently our new uh, one of our newest our second or third newest um, engineer is a guy from uh, west nile mm. There was this guy, like a star, is heavily, you know, qualified, whatever, sitting in West Nile, without access to opportunities. And somehow we were lucky that he applied to work with us. Yeah. Um. And um, he's now at Roxio. Yeah. Uh, I can. I just keep thinking about it on a daily basis. How many other? Uh, he's called Samadumawa. How many other Samadumawas are there mm. in Uganda? Yeah. It's probably dude in like Kisoro freezing, <laughs> but no one is giving him an opportunity. So yes. if you get like this data first thing you guys did and make it a national thing, so you first get the regions mm. uh, play out and then you make it a big national thing, you'll start seeing the sharp ones coming out. Yeah. And also the ones who might not make it here, they start to see the opportunity from where they are. Mm. And that also creates like regional hubs uh, for this kind of things, I'm sure you know the whole thing. I, but yeah, I, yeah. Just spread the gospel. Come partner with us, and we can do more. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we are really working closely, especially the Eugenog. Yeah, we are we're sponsoring all the stuff that they do. Um, we work on the hackathons. We sponsor those hackathons, try and discover talent. But I think what we need is uh, what you'd say, private-public sector brainstorming exercise, where we say the Ministry of ICT, uh, NITA, U, UCC in some way the ISPAU, which is the association there, the telcos, let's sit in one room and say, the aim this year is to build many, this many more engineers, or the aim this year is to increase the amount of traffic that stays in Uganda, whatever the intention is. Yes. And we go for it. Not where we're all shooting in the dark <laughs> and probably coming out to black. As I said... With uh, that's one and only Mr. Forbes. I call you Mr. Forbes until I make it to that list. Ah, okay. okay. <laughs> and uh, the great uh, general manager, wow, <laughs> and the gen- great general manager for Raxio. We could go on day and night on this conversation with more, but we are coming to the end of this podcast, yep. this episode, and uh, please share your socials. So please, I hope on your socials there's no Liverpool and... <laughs> <laughs> hmm, I have to think twice. When we're, when we're, when we're being a being bitten spree, so yeah, I'm not sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be associated. But uh, <laughs> uh, so obviously, the, the socials for Raxio is basically Raxio UG, Raxio Uganda, depending on uh, the platform that you that you're on. It's not hard to find. Um, even if you do the Raxio group, we still pick those up. LinkedIn, okay. Twitter, Instagram. Um, we don't use Facebook because it's blocked. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> <a different> conversation. <laughs> uh, um, then my personal socials is basically James Biarohanga, Biarohj, depending on which platform. Yeah. Um, and I like to interact on socials, so please um, 
let's have some relevant conversations. Yeah, and if you support Manchester United, don't text him. Uh, but yeah, I do not, please. <laughs> keep, it, keep it that way. Keep it simple. Yeah, I've been your host today. My name is Brandy Valentine Azirwe and our socials are at MICT underscore UG and uh, once you click, once you're on that page, you'll find me eventually. And otherwise, thank you for coming. Thank you for We shall be us. having a poem and uh, don't miss it. And uh, together, we say for God and my country and bye. Bye.